So today we are finishing up a sermon series which is called uh, Faith That Follows. And uh, we're talking about after a person places their faith in Christ, what comes next? And whether that was, you know, a week ago or two decades ago, what comes after we have placed our faith in Christ? Next week, I want to let you know we're starting a new sermon series, and it's called Wiser. Uh, and I'm really excited about this series. We're going to talk about how do we use God's wisdom when there aren't specific commands necessarily, but how do we look at all of God's wisdom and apply it to family, to work, to parenting, to marriage, to money, to how we speak to one another, some of those types of things. Um, so we'll begin that next week. encourage you to come back for that. But we're asking the question, after we place our faith in Jesus Christ— what comes next? And this is not part of the message series, although we could have added a fourth one, is one of the things is baptism. Uh, and we're going to have an outdoor baptism the first weekend in June. If you have not been baptized, I encourage you to make that decision to be baptized. Let us know. We'll talk you through it. If you have questions, you're like, I'm not sure I should get baptized, we would love to answer those questions for you. But over the course of this series, Faith That Follows, uh, we've been talking about three different two things up until today. So the first week we talked about followers gather, that we gather together not just to come to church, but we gather together to be the church to one another. And then last week, followers grow. Followers grow spiritually. And Ben talked about this idea of that followers of Jesus follow after him closely with the idea of being so close that we grow because we're with him on a daily basis. And then keeping with the alliteration, uh, today we're going to talk about how followers go, and what does that look like to go. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 this morning. So if you brought your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 10. If you have a Bible on your app, I encourage you to open that so you can highlight some things, make some notes in there. If you don't have a Bible, paper Bible or an app, you're welcome to read along on the screen behind me. But in Matthew chapter 10, the beginning of this passage, or the beginning of the chapter, is where Jesus calls the 12 disciples to be with him, right? And he says, he, and he names them, he says, you're going to be with me, and you're going to follow me. And it's really interesting, as we look at this series, when we say followers gather, followers grow, and then followers go, the first two parts of that are in these first five verses, that followers gather, they gather together, and then they grew as they walked and they spent time with Jesus on a daily basis. And then it says this in verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go. And we'll, we'll finish that in a moment. But he gave these followers this instruction. He said, I want you to go. And this morning, just to give you an overview of where we're going, and by the way, I have no idea how long this sermon is and how long the baby dedication would take. So if I look at my watch a lot, you'll know why. So, um, but, so we're going to answer three questions this morning. The first question is, who do we go to? Or if you're kind of the grammar police, it's to whom do we go? But who do we go to? The second question is, what is our message and the third question is, how do we go? And as we look at this passage, all three of those questions are going to be answered as we look at this question. Who do we go to? I mean, who is it that God is calling us to go to? Am I supposed to go to the homeless people? Am I supposed to go across the ocean to Africa? Am I supposed to go across the street? Where am I supposed, who am I supposed to go to? And then what's our message? And then how do we go? We're going to see in this passage that there's lots of um, great kind of principles that we can follow in that. So, 
Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, when you walked in, you got a bookmark that looks like this. Okay, pull that out if you wouldn't mind. Uh, And there's a pen in front of your knees if you want to use a pen. Um, But as we go through this message, my hope is that you have one ear listening to me, and another ear listening to the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit might put the names of people that you are to go to, that he's calling you to go to, and you would write those down. That's what this list is for. And the idea is that when we go, we pray for people, we love people, and then we invite them to hear about Jesus, either by inviting them to church or inviting them into a conversation. But the first question is this, is who do we go to? And as you look at this passage, who do we go to? Jesus gives them some very specific instructions. He says, I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he even says, don't go to the Gentiles and don't go to the Samaritans. Now, I mention that because it's important for us to think about and consider who is it that God is calling you to go to. Because oftentimes that's very laser-focused. He says, I want you to reach this type of person or that type of person or even the names of specific people as God gives those to you. But he starts out here and he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Go to the Jews, but don't go to the Samaritans and don't go to the Gentiles. Now, if if you were to fast forward three years, Jesus' last commandment or instruction to go is in Acts 1.8. And he says this, says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, that would be Jewish people, and Samaria, that would be Samaritans, and the ends of the earth, that would be Gentiles. And so as Jesus is saying to the original disciples, go to the lost sheep only, he's not saying only forever. He's saying, start here and then you're going to expand out. And the same is true for us, that God says, I want you to go and reach these type of people. But that may not be who you're going to reach forever. The who may change over the course of time. If you're a mom, and I would say even if you're a dad, if you're a mom, the first line of this should be your children. Because you are called to reach your children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You bring them here to the church, and our job as a church is to come alongside you, but it's your job to lead your kids to Jesus, and we help you and equip you with that and, and, and all that type of stuff, but it's your responsibility, and I would encourage you to put your own kids at the top of that list. So who is God calling you to go after? Maybe it's the people in your neighborhood. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe God is calling you to reach high school kids. Maybe God is calling you to go after one group of people or college kids. Or maybe God is calling you to go out of your comfort zone a little bit. So for the disciples to go to the Samaritans or to the Gentiles would be a bit out of their comfort zone. Maybe God is calling you to homeless ministry. Maybe God is calling you to prison ministry. Maybe God is calling you to go overseas. But the question is, who are you going to? Who is God calling you to go to? That's the first question. The second question is this, is what is our message? What is our message? So here's what Jesus tells the disciples. Verse 7. He says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's the message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's two parts of that. 
And I want us to understand both parts of it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven, what exactly does that mean? Because that's not necessarily a term that we're super familiar with or that we use in our everyday language. But here's a good definition of the kingdom of heaven. It is the rule of God in the hearts and lives of people who willingly submit to his authority. It's the rule of God in your life as you willingly submit to his authority in your life and in your heart. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. One of the things that we talk about at River Ridge, we have these six core values. One of our core values is living God's way is better. When we live under the authority of God, life goes better for us. That doesn't mean that we're going to be rich or famous or powerful, but it means that life goes better when we live under the authority of God. And then it says the kingdom of God is at hand. And so what that means, again, this is what is our message, that means that our message is that this is available now. That the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and lead and guide your life. And that is available right here and right now. And the at-hand part or the here part is you don't have to wait until you die. You don't have to wait until you go to heaven to experience the fullness of God. That you can experience that right here, right now. God offers us so much. And when we go with this message that the kingdom of God is at hand, and we're probably not going to share it that way. We're probably going to say the God of the universe loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you and wants a relationship with you. That's the message that we bring, but that is available right here, right now, if you want to receive it. And what that means is that you get to have the peace that God gives to you. That means you get to live in the presence of his unconditional love every day. That means that you can walk around knowing that you are forgiven instead of living with guilt and shame in your life. And it means you can have significance and purpose in your life. That's the message that we go with. So then the question is, how do we go? What do we do in sharing that message? And so over the next couple verses, uh, I'm going to give you eight applications. Um, and it's the alliteration oodlebless. Okay, you got that? I just, it's the best I could do. It's oodlebless. Okay. Um, here's the first one. It's not an alliteration. I just put the first letter of the eight things. Okay. All right. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, so from Matthew chapter 10, it says, Jesus writes, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Okay. I have prayed for sick people and a couple of them have been healed. I think, because of my prayers. I don't know for sure. I have never raised anybody from the dead. I've never met a leper. And in college, we tried to cast out some demons, and it was really weird, right? So I look at this, and I go, I'm not so sure. But here's the thing. is you look at that list and go, am I supposed to do this? No, this is what the disciples were to do. Because Jesus gifted them to do these things. Jesus gifted them to do these things, and they went and they did them. Here's the application for you, is use your gifts. 
God has given you gifts to use as you go out and to share the gospel. And there are gifts that we find in the Bible, spiritual gifts of leadership and encouragement and discernment and things like that. But beyond that, God has given you gifts and passions in life of mountain biking, of hunting, of art, of cooking, of of these different things that you love to do. And use those as you go to the people on this list, the who. Go and do these things and share the love of Christ, the gifts that God has given you, the passions he has given you, and be with people and love them in the name of Jesus. Continuing on, verse 8, says, You received without paying, give without pay. Now, that one for us is like, well, what exactly does that mean? And we can certainly see the negative example when we talk about TV evangelists. They're like, all right, if you give me $100,000, I'll send you a t-shirt and salvation kind of thing, right? With that real Southern accent. Um, I don't know that that's the application. Don't do that, but that's not necessarily the application for us. But here's, I think there is a great application. It says, you received without paying, give without pay. When we love people, and that's the first thing, the first, that's the second reminder on here. When we love people, that we do it unconditionally. We do it without strings attached. We do it without expectation. That we love without expectation of that coming back to us. So we, we just love people in the name of Jesus. And they, if they believe what we believe, then great. If they don't, then I'm going to keep loving you. And we don't make our love and our care for people conditional on how they respond to our message. And he says this, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. So if we take kind of a 30,000 foot view of that, Jesus basically is saying, well, to them specifically, he's saying, you're going to kind of travel as minimalist. He's not saying that to us. What he's saying overall is trust God as you go. Right? That doesn't mean you can only have one pair of shoes and one tunic and you have to carry copper, you can't carry copper. It's not saying that to us. He was saying to the disciples, I want you to go and I want you to trust me as you go. That's what he was saying. And he's saying the same thing to us. I want you to trust me as you go. It may look different, but the principle is the same of trust God as you go. And he says, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And so the way that this worked for the disciples is they would go from town to town in the pairs that they went with. They would go to these different towns. They didn't have Priceline or anything like that to kind of reserve a hotel ahead of time. They would go and they would come in, and they would need to find a place to stay. And so what Jesus says, he says, look in this town for someone who welcomes you. Look in this town for somebody who is worthy. Look in this town for somebody who will take you in, and then spend time there and use that as your home base. And the principle for us is the same, is look for receptive people. Look for receptive people. As you are praying for these people, as you are loving them, as you are inviting them, you will find that some people are receptive and they'll ask you a question or you mention something about church and they ask a question. You mention something that you read in the Bible and they ask you a question. And there'll be other people that you kind of drop a hint that you're a Christian or that you're thinking about them or that you prayed for them and it won't, they won't sink in. And, that, and that's okay. 
But the idea is for us to be on the lookout for who's receptive and, and take another step with them and take another step with them and take another step with them until we can share this message that the kingdom of God is at hand. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you and that's available to you and we keep walking down that line. And he says, and if anyone will not receive your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. You know, I think one of the obstacles that many of us have when it comes to sharing our faith is that we're afraid of rejection or we're afraid of people thinking that we are judgmental. And this verse helps us in that because it's, it's this idea that there's going to be some rejection. And so that's the next point is expect some rejection. And, and understand that when people reject the message of Christ, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the message. And we need to share it in such a way and keep loving people in such a way that that's accurate. But if somebody says, I'm not interested in that, I don't believe that there is a God, I think it's all a hoax, I think Christians are, whatever it is, you know, that's, when it says shake the dust off your feet, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't take it personally. We just shake the dust off your feet and move on and keep loving them and keep loving the next person. Then he says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And I'd read that verse, I'm like, that's a lot of animals in one verse. You've got sheep, wolves, serpents, and doves. What's going on here? So I'm sending you out as sheep. So we are the sheep, right? We're the innocent ones with God. Among the wolves, that's people who are not believers. And he says, I want you to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves, right? And he makes the comparison to animals. But for us, it's be wise and be innocent. Be wise and be innocent. That is what God is saying to you and to us. And I want to give you a negative example of this um, because it's come up a couple times and it really bothers me. Uh, and so a couple times recently, I've heard about people uh, from people who work at, at restaurants and so forth and friends who have people who work at restaurants that Sunday afternoons is the worst time to work at a restaurant because the after-church Christian crowd are notorious for being bad tippers or no tippers at all. And, and, I, and that's just like, that just grates on me. And so I want to say, if you go to church... I'm sorry, if you, if you come to church and you go to a restaurant afterwards and you are dressed like you went to church, and even if you pray before your meal, leave a big stinking tip. Would you do that? Okay? And the other half of that is if you go to lunch after church and you are wearing a River Ridge shirt in any form or fashion and you leave a small or no tip, I will find you and hunt you down and do unspeakable things to you. Okay? Are we clear on that? All right. I can yell louder, but that's just great. I'm like, who would do that? Gosh. If you, I'm not kidding you. In a River Ridge, and don't you dare like sign a check with a River Ridge pen and not leave a big tip on there. You leave a 40% tip and you leave the pen there. Amen. Okay. <laughs> when they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not 
you who speak, but the Holy, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. I think what makes us most nervous about conversation about the gospel is, what do I say? What do I say if I, I don't? How do I get into the conversation? What do I say if they? What do I do if somebody asks me a question that I can't answer, that I don't know the answer? What do I do? I think that's a fear that goes through all of us. And this is so peace-giving and anxiety-removing. It says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father who speaks through you. Here's the application. Is listen to the Holy Spirit for the right words. Listen to the Holy Spirit for the right words. And as you do this, there may be some times where you're listening to the Holy Spirit for the right words, like because they've asked you a question. What about this in the Old Testament? What about Job? What about this fish thing and the guy who swallowed Jonah? And what, you know, the fish, you know, they ask you these questions, right? And you're like, well, first of all, you, you mixed up two stories. Jonah didn't swallow, swallow a fish. And, but anyway, but, but we get these questions. You're like, I don't know. And here's the, I will tell you what the Holy Spirit is saying to you if you don't know the answer to a question. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, say, I don't know, but I will find out. That very well may be what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You get something, I don't know, that's a really good question. I've never thought about that. Let me find out and I'll get back to you. That may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. We're going to skip all the way down to verse 42 for this last one. It says this, Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And I love this last verse because so much of this has been talking about these huge things, right? Go and don't take anything with you. Go and you're going to get kicked out and rejected. Go, you're not going to have a place to sleep. You're going to cast out demons. It's all these grandiose things that Jesus is telling the disciples. And then he ends with this simple statement. Whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water, give a child a freezy pop. Give a child a cold glass of water, and you're doing that in my name. That's what a disciple does. It's so simple. So we're going to take the last point, and I stole this from a church that I went to when I lived in Cincinnati, but it's this. Small things done with great love will change the world. That's what Jesus is saying. Small things, giving a child a cup of water, will change the world. Small things done with great love will change the world. That's our marching orders. And so as you look at this list and as you write people down, you keep this as a bookmark and you're praying for people and you're loving people and you're inviting people to hear about Jesus, just remember that truth. That just start with love. Small actions of love and let it build from there. Because as followers, we are called to gather. We are followed to go and follow Jesus as close as we can day by day. And we are called to go and to share this incredible news with the world around us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to go. And uh, God, oftentimes that seems like and feels like an incredible responsibility. 
but it is so comforting to know that you go with us. You don't just send us out, but that you go with us and that you will give us the words to speak at the time to speak them. God, we look to you and we lean into that this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.